Hello, good evening and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the last man standing with loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this evening's show, we're going to be talking all things Arsenal. And of course, we're going to be looking ahead to that big game against Sheffield United at the weekend at the Emirates Stadium. Joining me is a very, very special guest. It's Mike. Uh, Mike. I'm sure everybody who's watching or listening uh, is aware of your fantastic articles and has read some of them. Um, I, I really enjoy them. Uh, you know, whenever you tag me in them, I'm not, I read them straight away, no matter what I'm doing. First of all, thank you for coming on. And uh, how are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well, Harry. How are you, sir? Not too bad. I was just saying to the guys that are tuned in, it's, it's not been a great week. Everything's gone wrong. People might be wondering why the hell I'm sitting in the kitchen. Should have done the bloody dishes, I suppose, as well. But, you know, that's the least of my worries at the moment. Um, Mike, let's talk about Arsenal. Um, let's, that is what we're here to do, after all. Uh, it's Sheffield United at the weekend. They gave us a really, really difficult time up at Bramall Lane. It was a game that I went to earlier on in the season. They're a very well-organised side, a very hard-working side. But they're also very good in possession as well and a lot of people don't give them the credit maybe that they deserve for that um Chris Wilder's done a fantastic job there how are you feeling heading into this game are you nervous are you feeling positive about it you know I'm mixed Harry quite honestly I'm mixed because uh they're good aren't they they are uh, they're legitimately good and they're good both sides of the ball uh, and they're unafraid as well I, I haven't seen many teams come up from uh the championship and be so unafraid which, quite honestly, there's a lot of teams in our league this, these days which um, uh, are th- are play that way. But kudos to them. Uh, they're a super hardworking team. Not many star names. And I think that maybe uh, speaks to uh, the coaching. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident with Mikel Arteta and what he's doing with Arsenal. But um, I think this one could be a close one this weekend. Absolutely. It's not going to be an easy game. I think we, we all agree on that. Um, Mike? We haven't spoken uh, since Mikel Arteta took the job. Um, people have been talking about how impressive he's been in the early se- uh, early days. He's, you know, he's got them playing again with a little bit more passion. There's been a few tactical tweaks. I think we saw more of those uh, against Crystal Palace because he finally had some time on the training ground with the players. What have you made of the impact that Mikel Arteta has had so far, and, and how are you feeling about his tenure? Yeah, I'm. I'm so impressed and I, I'm biased like you are and we all are because we love our club. So I'm trying to uh, look at it with the viewpoint uh, of a neutral. It's difficult, but he is one impressive guy off the field. Uh, what he's doing on the field is, um, I don't know that I've ever seen a team go from the depths of falling down the pit that we were to looking like, uh, quite honestly, that we should be comfortable top four contenders next year with the intensity, the, um, the passion that he's brought the organization to a team that over the last 10 years hasn't had any defensive organization. He's done that in a month. Um, and just quite honestly, what he's been able to pull uh, together in three weeks to four weeks is, is something that I don't think I've ever seen uh, such a turnaround. And I know we haven't had the turnaround in results quite like other teams have got so don't get me wrong I, I understand the manager bounce and other teams have had a bigger bounce and points but um we were sliding towards a relegation fine i really believe that was going to happen and now we're looking like um a team with uh, almost all the players when i write my blogs I, trying to pick out the positives it's hard to stop because it seems like every player has upped their game another 40 percent and again three weeks four weeks to pull that off 
it's quite something, Harry. Absolutely. And and we've, you know, I've spoken on this podcast many a times about how I felt that the squad was better than what it was looking like under Unai Emery. And I don't just blame Unai Emery. There are lots of problems at Arsenal Football Club. I think the players down tools, which is never acceptable, um, given that they're professional footballers. But I think Unai Emery was the architect of all of that. And the way he treated certain players, I think it didn't go down well with other members of the team. And tactically, we were all over the place. Nobody really believed in what he was doing. Communication was a massive issue. One of the things I've been most impressed with Mikel Arteta is his ability to communicate. And I know the language thing helps. But for me, I'm intrigued by his press conferences. When I know that there's one coming up, I'm sitting in front of the TV waiting for it. Whereas under Unai Emery, particularly towards the end, I was just like, well, I could tell you the phrases that he's going to say and they just don't mean anything to me anymore. But Arteta is one of those characters that grips you, doesn't he, when he talks. And you've got to believe that that also filters through to the players and that they probably have a lot more belief in the words that are coming out of Mikel Arteta's mouth than they did uh, out of Unai Emery's. Now, Mike, I'm just going to share my screen uh, with you and, and those tuned in watching us live on YouTube at the moment. A big hello to all of you and hello to everybody who is listening to this later on on the audio. And I'm going to pull up the head-to-head stats in the Premier League between Arsenal and Sheffield United as we look ahead to this game. Um, There have been seven Premier League clashes between the two sides. Um, Arsenal have won two, Sheffield United have won two, and there have been three draws. Now, if we look at the recent meetings, um, there was that 1-0 defeat that we suffered at Bramall Lane back in October, which I've mentioned. And incidentally, the time we went to Bramall Lane before that, which was 13 years before in uh, 2006, we also lost 1-0 that day as well. that same season, we beat them 3 uh, 0 at the Emirates Stadium. And then there was a 1 1 draw at Bramall Lane uh, in 1994 and a win for the Gunners uh, in 1994, December, 3 uh, 0 that day. So, I mean, there hasn't been that many clashes between these two sides in the Premier League, mainly because Sheffield United have not been in the division, which, you know, is unfortunate for them. But when we look at the form guides of the two sides at the moment, Sheffield United have picked up two wins in their last five. Those wins coming at home to West Ham and away to Brighton. Arsenal, just the one win, um, which was uh, the victory over Manchester United. But there have been some improved performances, haven't there? There was the the Chelsea game. I didn't think that we should have lost that. Um, Bournemouth, I thought we should have won that. Everton was just a poor game overall, but Mikel Arteta wasn't really in charge then. And then the draw at Crystal Palace. Now, before we move on to to continue looking at this one, Mike, what did you make of the Palace game? Were you concerned by the fact that we don't seem to be able to maintain our level for more than sort of half an hour at the moment? Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, um, I think that uh, Unai Emery has had us playing what I've been calling basketball all season. You know, from August to December, uh, we've been fairly structureless or confused, bouncing from one formation and idea to another. And um, we've been running the entire field. Uh, Arteta has uh, inherited this. And so he's made us a far more compact and organized team, but he's inheriting a team who's either unfit because they weren't trained properly or their fitness training wasn't done correctly but I think it's got more to do with the fact that they're potentially exhausted um, from having to run the full length of the field. I mean, you go back to that Watford away game, Harry, was it 30-something shots on goal? And watch Arsenal try to attack and then run another 100 yards back the other way and back and forth. And I think 
um, the, the amount of signings that they're talking about potentially bringing in three or four now might be because Arteta looks at the fitness levels of the squad and thinks that these boys just won't be able to do this on the back end of the season. We don't want another end of season collapse. So I think it's, uh, I don't know exactly what's going on on the training ground and maybe there's, there is some uh, more fitness work to be done, but I think there's a balance between being unfit and, uh, and having to spend you know, a third of half of your season uh, running too much, you know? Yeah, I agree. Some great points there. And just going back to the statistics between the two sides, if you look at our seasons so far and compare them, of course, Arsenal currently in 10th position, Sheffield United are in 6th. Um, they've had a far better start to the campaign, a start that's exceeded all expectations. They've won eight games, drawn eight, lost six. Arsenal have won six, drawn ten and lost six. So draws have really, really been a problem for Arsenal uh, this season. And, you know, we've picked up a few draws in the, in the recent weeks. There was the draw at Everton, the draw against Bournemouth and the draw against Crystal Palace. So that's three out of the last five. Um, but we, you touched on the fact that Arsenal are looking to bring in some recruits in this January transfer window. Now, we know that Arsenal are looking. We know that nothing is close. Um or, or as far as we're aware anyway. And, and I don't expect Mikel Arteta to come out and say, we're looking at this player, we're looking at that player. So, you know, it's unfair to say that they're not trying to do anything behind the scenes, but it is pretty clear that Arsenal are looking for, uh, and I don't mean this in a, a degrading way, but cheaper options. We're looking for players that can plug holes, I guess, for the time being. If you could only bring in one player, Mike, in this January transfer window, what position would you be looking to strengthen? Uh, I would choose the defensive midfielder because uh, I think everybody saw, particularly against Palace, how pivotal the new Lucas Torreira is. Uh, you know, he's back to where he was when he first joined the club. He's pivotal. But you know, Harry, he's the only one of our five midfielders that does that job. And I know we need centre-backs and we probably need another full-back. But um, thankfully, Socrates, Louise, and maybe Holding too will come back and they're doing fine now they're fit now and but when Torreira went off everything changed Arsenal need another midfielder who can uh, win balls um, who can direct traffic um, who uh, is quick like Torreira is uh, somebody powerful and athletic possibly but they need uh, an option uh, to Lucas Torreira is what I would go for first interesting because I, I think a lot of people would probably say the central defensive position is a bit of a problem just based on the fact that obviously Callum Chambers is out for so long. Rob Holding, when he has played, has looked a million miles away from being fit. Um, but I, I get where you're coming from and I, I kind of tend to agree with you in the, in the sense that the Lucas Torreira thing is key and... and you know, people rave about Matteo Guendouzi and I don't have an issue and I don't have an agenda against him. I just think that he isn't as disciplined as he needs to be at times in the middle of the park. And you saw that when Torreira went off and Guendouzi come on, yeah, you got bags of enthusiasm, but you also limited Granit Xhaka's game because Granit Xhaka was having to do a lot more of the work that maybe Lucas Torreira was doing in the early stages of that game. We know that Xhaka wants to step that that little bit further forward. We know he wants to get involved in the play. And by pairing him with Meteo Genduzzi, you're not allowing him to do that. And off the back of that, we're seeing, you know, problems in the midfield. And I thought Arsenal... You know, it's not the reason that they dropped off against Crystal Palace, but I thought that it played a massive, massive part. Um, and it was one of the main reasons. Now, Aubameyang is suspended at the weekend. 
how would you fill that hole? Would it be a simple swap for you, Mike? Would it be Gabriel Martinelli coming in on the left? Would you shuffle things around a bit? How, how do you think that Mikel Arteta should approach this? I think he'll choose Reese Nelson just because I think he's favoured Reese Nelson ever Reese Nelson ever since he's been at the club, um, and I think that uh, uh, it's a possibility that him and Pepe will switch wings. Um, I would uh, go for uh, Martinelli myself. I think Arsenal need goals. And I think everybody would agree Martinelli brings goals and Reese Nelson doesn't really bring that. So uh, I, I don't know. Um, so for me, Martinelli, but I think um, I, I see him favouring Reese Nelson. I'd also suggest I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to switch Pepe to the other wing. I think he did it briefly the other night. Um, and I've got a feeling that we may see we may see that or at least in periods of the game as well, that they'll switch wings. Yeah, it, it's a really, really good point. And I agree that Gabriel Martinelli is the way to go. He's a player that's impressed me every time uh, he's stepped onto the field this season. Reese Nelson, I get the hype around him. He's a young English player. Everybody wants to see him do well. And he has delivered at times. But in my opinion, he hasn't delivered often and consistently enough to warrant being ahead of Gabriel Martinelli. I mean, they've both played Europa League games. They've both played cup games and Gabriel Martinelli stands out doesn't he he's the he's the main man for me and the thing with Martinelli is as well that if you do play him on the left and you see that maybe Lacazette is is struggling a little bit you can bring Martinelli in there you can interchange the two a bit like you can with Aubameyang and Lacazette because Martinelli is capable of playing through the middle whereas Reese Nelson doesn't give you that option so that's maybe another reason um how are you seeing this one going on Saturday because Arsenal have tended under Mikel Arteta to start fast and drop off. Under Unai Emery, it was the opposite. We would start really badly and then pick it up a little bit later on. Do you think that Sheffield United will be wary of of the way Arsenal have started in recent weeks? Chris Wilder would have looked at that, won't he? And he'll probably look to stifle us early doors. Yeah, I think so too. I think Arsenal um, will start fast. That seems to be the pattern. And I think, Harry, you'd agree that we've been getting fitter each game and the periods of sustained pressure have been longer each game. I think you've got to break it down as a coach into three periods. You've got to start fast. I'm a huge believer in uh, starting fast. The other team don't know what uh, you're going to bring until you bring it. And so you you do it from the first whistle. Then uh, you affect the mental side of the game dramatically. And with 60,000 people behind you who, let's be honest, they're either going to be behind you at the Emirates or they're going to be against you. <laughs> so if you, uh, if you don't start fast, then they get itchy at the Emirates. They get a little tetchy, don't they? And now it goes against you. So I think is a smarter man than Unai Emery and he knows how to use that crowd. So I think we'll start fast. And I think you break it down into that first 15 minutes. And then if you need to play some more uh, neutral possession for the next 15 and just rest in possession. I think that that will be a strategy. And then the last 15 minutes of the half has been a weakness for Arsenal. We keep going in at half time, having just conceded a goal. That's my memory for this season. Second half, you just come out strong again and see if you can do the same thing. So I would just divide it into three 15s. And I think that, uh, that uh, that's what I'm seeing in Mikel Arteta doing. Yep, I think that's a great point. And I think it is key that they do that. It's key that they recognise that maybe they're running out of a little bit of steam and they do drop off a little bit, be a little bit more conservative for 10, 15 minutes and go again. Because when Arsenal are playing at that intensity and with that pace, with that power, it's very difficult to handle. But if you're going to go all out and not get the benefit of it and then have to sink back in the second half and sometimes, you know, you get caught out. And it's not just physically. Everyone talks about 
this team not being fit enough. And yes, I agree with that to a degree, but I also think it's about being mentally tired as well. And Unai Emery's teams were very passive. They would sit off people and the first thought would be, you know, let's get back into shape and let, they can have possession, but let's get back into shape. Whereas Mikel Arteta's philosophy is very different. It's about winning the ball back as soon as possible. It's about winning the ball back within five to seven seconds. That's something I read about Pep Guardiola. And you can see that, you know, some of the ideas are slightly different. And I'm sure Mikel Arteta has plenty of his own uh, things in mind. But you can see that he models himself on Pep Guardiola. And as far as footballing educations go, there probably isn't a better one out there than than the, the great Pep Guardiola. So it's great to see that. Um do you think that Arsenal will do any business in this transfer window? I mean, we've spoken about what we'd like to see if we could only bring in one player. It's always a difficult market in January. How do you see uh, the window unfolding? Do you think Arsenal will get a deal over the line between now and the 31st? Yeah, I think they'll get a handful, actually, Harry. I think they will get three or four. I think what I'm seeing is um, they talked about the loan market, the free market or the cheap market, whichever way you want to put it. But um, and I think that the strategy is, and I'm I'm seeing online people are complaining about uh, the type player, you know, be it Dries Mertens or Kazawa or these guys. But what the fans have to remember is that Arsenal don't have a whole flush of money, and they won't have the same in the summer. Uh, they'll have a they'll have a bigger chunk, but unless they sell somebody one or two bigger players, they're not going to have enough to go spend 50 million here and 50 million there, like the fans really want. So. Um, I think purchasing a PSG um, guy who's been playing for PSG for Monaco for five, six, seven, eight years, um, French international player as a potential backup to Kieran Tierney long term is, is a good deal. I don't think also that everybody's fully aware that that guy's played right back as well. So in a perfect world, I think everybody recognises we may need some help on the right side if Bellerin's not ready and we need help on the left side. So this guy... Um, he's not only got the credentials that he's got uh, and, and is, a, is a fine player when he's pushed to his potential, but he can play both sides. So I think that that's a, a, a great deal. I think the Dries Mertens one may just happen, whether it's now or in the summer. And again, people might think, well, he's 32, he's past his best, and all these things are true. But you don't have 50 million for every position. If Arsenal are going to go buy Wilfred Ndidi, for example, in the summer, which is the one I'd go for and I think the club are after in the summer, and spend 70, 80 million on the guy with the best statistics in Europe, then then they have to you know decide where their money's going, and if they that's what that guy costs, then they have to go get two or three other guys who are free or on loan, um, and that's just the way that it is. And I think that some of the names banded around uh, are a lot better fits. And let's remember one one more thing, Harry. I don't want to rant on, but is that you know if if Mikel Arteta in three weeks has made Socrates a solid defender again, David Luiz. Granite Xhaka from a guy that just threw his hands up and was about to ditch the club to go play for a smaller club in Hertha Berlin. If he's done that in three weeks, then what can he do, you know, with a Dries Mertens or a, or a Kazawa? And, and so I, I think fans often forget about coaching. And, and now we have a coach who's actually an extremely good coach that, that he can turn somebody who's inconsistent like Kazawa has been in the past into somebody who maybe is a far better offensive threat than Kolasinac, for example. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And when people talk about Arsenal not having money, and, and it's a very simplistic view from some fans when they go spend some fucking money and they don't think about, you know, the, the position that we're in, we've got to realise that we're unlikely to qualify for the Champions League again next season. And that will be our fourth, if I'm not mistaken, without Champions yep. League football. Four seasons without Champions League football. We'll have no doubt 
hit the bank balance hard because we know that the club were obsessed by finishing in the top four for years and years and years because of the financial reward. And that financial reward is huge. The TV money from the Champions League is massive. Qualifying from the knockout stages also earns you a fair bit of money. And when you compare those financial rewards to the the rewards from winning the FA Cup, for example, they absolutely dwarf it. So you can understand why the likes of Arsenal, the likes of Spurs in recent years, have almost become obsessed with qualifying for this competition and perhaps put the cup competitions on a bit of a back burner because they don't bring what the owners are after, which is money. You know, when winning at Wembley is a great day out for us. We love it. We enjoy it. We go there. We have a drink with our friends. We celebrate. But from the club's perspective, it's not really that beneficial. Um, so, you know, the finances have taken a real hit in the last few years and once you know you miss out on the Champions League once you can maybe get by you can continue working the way you've been working as a Champions League club in terms of the budget that you've got to spend the wage structure etc but when it starts getting into the second year the third year and then it looks like we're going to go into a fourth year then that will no doubt take its toll and, and people need to stop disregarding that because I, do I think the Cronkies are great owners? No, I don't. I would I've liked to have seen somebody else come in who would put his hand in his pocket and help the club uh, at a time of need like we are in now when the squad clearly needs such a big revamp? Of course, I would wish we had somebody like that, but we don't. We've got somebody who's working the club uh, on a self-sustaining model and they're only going to spend what the club can make. And if the club is not in the Champions League, then this is going to continue for a while. And all of a sudden, a club who were a big Champions League budget club are now a Europa League budget club because of the number of years that we've been out of that competition. It's, it's such a big deal. And, you know, when people say, oh, you don't need to be in the Champions League, you absolutely do this day and age to compete with the rest of the big boys. Um, in terms of a prediction, Mike, for for, for Saturday's game, um, I think that Arsenal are going to edge it. I've been impressed by what Mikel Arteta has done uh, since he's taken over. And of course, I know that Sheffield United will put up a stubborn fight. But I think being at home, Arsenal will edge it. How, how do you see it going and, and give us a score? Yeah, I think Arsenal will score early and that'll be it. 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One nil Arsenal, Pepe. 1-0 to the Arsenal. And Nicolas Pepe could do it with another goal, couldn't he? He could Absolutely. do with it. He's trying to find his confidence a little bit. Um, and fingers crossed, you know, he can make an impact again at the weekend. Now, Mike, the audio cut out at the beginning. So where can people find your blogs? Um, how can they follow you on Twitter? How can they keep up to date uh, with all your uh, great work? Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I'm doing blogs. I have been doing for a couple of years for Gunnerstown. Um, I do them review blogs after every single Arsenal game called Positives, Needs and Hopes. And they're published the next day. Of course, you can follow me at, at uh, Mike underscore M McDonald, uh, and you can get it that way. Uh, I also do blogs for Pete at La Grove, transfer blogs. And I've done uh, four or five of those already on different positions that I think um, that Arsenal are looking at and a whole host of different names that I think that we should be looking at or maybe are looking at. And so you can check out La Grove there as well. Brilliant stuff. And uh, I'll be sure to retweet those. Send them away and I'll, I'll make sure that I retweet those as well. And we'll retweet them from the show's account. Uh, Mike, a massive, massive thank you to you uh, for coming on. Um, 
And thank you to all you guys for being tuned in live and, of course, to everybody listening later on. If you're watching us on YouTube, like, subscribe, share. You know the drill by now. Um, and if you're listening by the audio, we need you to leave us a review on iTunes. That's so, so important. Uh, thank you all so much. I'm going to leave you with a quick message uh, from our sponsors, Loserpool, and we'll be back very soon with more.